Hello and welcome to the Real Heroes of E-Commerce. I am your host, Jason, and it is time for another episode of Jingle All the Way. Well, actually, this episode is going to wrap up the first half of our Jingle All the Way series. So far, we have talked with 12 top minds in e-commerce and gotten tons of great ideas and insight on how we can improve our business and marketing. So a huge thanks to everyone for coming on. In this second half, we are interviewing a different kind of expert, the customers, the real heroes of e-commerce. We're going to get their thoughts on marketing and e-commerce and shopping online this holiday season. So I know you're going to enjoy the next 12 episodes, so be sure to subscribe on our Substack. Okay, then. This episode is really cool because we have a friend of the real heroes with us, Paul Drexler. You may know him from the Shop of Freaks newsletter. He covers all types of news in and around e-commerce. It's really good, and I read it every Monday like clockwork. So subscribe to that so you don't miss out. Um, in today's conversation, we're going to talk about the seven mistakes. Actually, no, it's now nine mistakes brands make with their affiliate programs. If you're new to affiliate marketing or thinking about getting into it, this one goes deep, and I know you're going to enjoy it. You can check out more of these episodes and articles by going to heroesofecommerce.substack.com and subscribing. Okay, let's get to the interview. Okay, Paul, it is an honor to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Jason. My pleasure. So I don't know if you know this, but you were the first subscriber to my newsletter. I did not know that. That's that's awesome. I know it's come a long way since I had first subscribed in terms of the uh, number of readers. Yeah, so just to have you on the show is, is cool. How did we find each other? You had been reading mine, and then you had reached out to me and said, I've, I've started something in, in this front. Am I remembering correctly? I think we, we both mentioned something on Reddit, and then I sent you a message, and then we both signed up. And um, that was, I don't know, way back in January. Reddit's actually been the best source of new subscribers for me, oddly. I always thought it would have been social media and running ads on social media, mm -hmm. but it turns out that a lot of us e-commerce folk even if we hide behind screen names are on Reddit, we're still there doing our thing. Yeah. Yeah. Reddit's an interesting place. As long as you don't go in like guns blazing with uh, promotional stuff, it's a, it's a good place to be. My account is pretty much talking about e-commerce and, and commenting on r slash Dunder Mifflin. That's pretty much where I hang out. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So today we're going to talk about affiliate marketing and give us a little bit of background in your experience being an affiliate and helping others with affiliates. Yeah, definitely. So I'm, I'm, I'm on all sides of the affiliate spectrum, including the, the third side, we'll say, which is having run my own affiliate programs for my own brands. But for the past decade or so, I've helped hundreds of other brands get started with affiliate marketing. In other words, they're, they know about it, they're interested in it, but the steps between thinking about doing it and actually running a full program it's a, it's a big learning curve and a big gap. So yeah. that's where I got started helping them was not only with choosing the technology, but also with structuring their programs, um, structuring their outreach campaigns, and, and so on. Basically going from the idea and concept of affiliate programs all the way to actively running one. And then on the other side of the coin, I've got my own travel publication called Travel is Life. And on that front, I'm an affiliate for hundreds of brands as well. And that's just one of many sites, project sites I've had over the years mm -hmm. um, where I'm an affiliate for other companies. It's it's a huge part of my income uh, for the past almost two decades now. I love it. I, I fully believe that affiliate marketing is one of the most pure forms of, of marketing. Uh, I think it's a win-win for everybody involved. Um, the, the brands, they get a sales force, the affiliates, they get great products to introduce to their customers. And of course, customers are actively looking for things to buy. And so I think it's a win-win for all three, the whole, the whole medium. Very cool. So you have nine kind of things to talk about. Um, and so it's a lot, so we'll get into it. Um, yeah, it started out seven yesterday. Then it became just, eight. Today, we've got 27. I'm just kidding. We got nine. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, um, let's just get into it because I know there's a lot to cover. Well, I want to talk about nine mistakes that brands or retailers make when they start their affiliate programs. And I'm going to start with uh, 
a big picture. And then as we go through the mistakes, each one will get a little bit more uh, narrow and, and specific and actionable. Okay. But the first one that I had, I had made a note of to talk about is the mindset of starting an affiliate program. And this is basically a conversation that I've had countless times with, with brands who are just looking into launching an affiliate program and are still debating whether or not it's the right thing for them to do. And so this is where oftentimes clients begin working with me is through this initial conversation where they're still deciding if it's the right fit for them. And sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But when it comes to mindset, I think the mistake that brands have is looking at affiliate marketing as if it's just another channel Mm -hmm. that they turn on, activate, and produce an ROI on. Another channel like Facebook ads or, or Instagram ads um, or email marketing, for example. So when it comes to the metrics that they use to measuring the success of affiliate marketing and their planning, the question that they often ask is basically, how much can an affiliate program make me? Right. And how much is it going to make me in comparison to my other forms of marketing? So they'll push it against, they'll put it against their, their Facebook or their Google ads as a benchmark and say, is it going to outperform these other channels? If not, we should just focus on those other channels. And the reason why I, I think this is a mistake is it becomes, it, it oftentimes leads down the road of asking the wrong questions when it comes to setting up the affiliate program. It's questions, like I said, that you would normally use for other channels that you can measure a little bit less holistically. The right mindset to have when you're launching an affiliate program is not how much money can we make, but how much money can we make our affiliates? Mm -hmm. What can we do as a company to produce the most success and put the most money in the pockets of our affiliates? That's what they need to think about from day one. That's the right mindset. And it seems a little bit counterintuitive. Yeah, that's a hard one to have. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really... Not because as soon as you're, if your affiliates make money, the brand is definitely going to be making money. Right. If the affiliates do not make money, one, you're not going to make money, but you're also not going to have affiliates for very long. Mm -hmm. And then it's just a bunch of kind of wasted time trying to launch everything. A lot of brands, they, they go into affiliate marketing thinking it's a little bit more hands-off than it actually is. They enter in with the mindset, like I, said, I keep comparing it to Facebook and other, and other channels, because with those, they're a little bit less managed, or you can sometimes outsource the management of them a little bit easier, but you're, you're dealing with software and algorithms. And so once you find that winning combination of ads, you can oftentimes step away a little bit. With affiliate marketing, there's really no stepping away from the program. You're constantly going to be doing relationship building relationship strengthening with your affiliates, you're going to be treating them like, like business partners. And you don't just onboard a business partner and then expect to send them a check once a year. Typically, business partners expect a little bit more in terms of accountability and, and updates. And it's the same with affiliates. You've got to keep that relationship alive and keep them excited and wanting to promote your products because reasonably, you're not the only company, even in your space at this point, that's offering an affiliate program. That is true. Most people have at least dabbled in it at some point. The payout, though, can be tremendous. I had a client years ago in the uh, oral healthcare space. They launched their now. They they were both the manufacturer and they were the retailer. They were they made the product and they were direct consumer on their website. So they had a little bit more margins to play with, obviously, than than a retailer who was buying the products wholesale. Well, they launched an affiliate program, and you know, like like. Any program, it's always that 80-20 or 90-10 thing where, where 10 or 20% are producing almost all of your affiliate revenue. Well, for them, they came across one monster affiliate who fell in love with their products, pretty much integrated it into her own website in terms of campaigns, banners, into her email list, really just made herself part of the company. And she was bringing in at one point 90% of the affiliate revenue for the company but also at one point close to 80% of the entire revenue of the company. She put them on the map. She was bringing them in about $4 million a year in sales just oh, from her one mommy blog, her health mommy blog. So obviously, you know, you, you want that golden goose, that, that huge affiliate, and you've got to go through many of them to find that perfect partner sometimes. But um, it, 
affiliate relationships can really be your most successful and, and impactful if, if done right. Very good. So what's number two on the mistakes? So I keep talking about, um, I, I want to talk about taking care of your affiliates, right? And that's, when I said earlier, your job is to make your affiliates as much money as possible. Mm -hmm. And with that being said, the mistake I see a lot of brands making is that they compete against their, their own affiliates. And mm -hmm. I'll give you one example. Um, a lot of affiliate programs, you sign up and they'll instantly give you a 10% off discount code or whatever their, their affiliate discount is. So they say, you know, share your, your code, Real Heroes, um, for 10% off. So you, you put that out there. I'm sending my traffic to the website. Then I get to the website, and the first thing the customer sees is a pop-up that says, enter your email and join our newsletter for 20% off your first purchase. Oh, yeah. And, and so, you can't double up on those. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. now if, there, if there's cookies involved with link tracking, sometimes, depending on how they have it set up, the affiliate can get credit. But especially with social media and, and in uh, Instagram, there is no cookie. They're just using um, discount code tracking, for example. Mm -hmm. And so all of my traffic, my affiliate traffic is basically getting intercepted by the brand itself with a better promotion. And that's obviously not the right thing to do. I had that happen to me several times in the past. And I just would wrote the company and said, look, I'm, I'm not going to send you guys any, any traffic unless you can offer me as good or better of a discount than what you're offering your new customers. Otherwise, what's the incentive? I'm just making the handoff and you're taking it from there. And it's just something that I recommend. It's a good example, but there's a lot of ways that you can compete with your affiliates. And I just recommend not doing it. Never compete with your affiliates, facilitate them, promote them in every way possible. Like I know, again, it sounds counterintuitive. Well, if we can make the full sale, why would we want to pay a commission and give a discount and pay the affiliate, for example, but it's because you want that affiliate making as much money as possible. So they keep sending traffic your way. Right. Because if they're happy, then they're not going to stop. We're in demand right now, affiliates. Like we have, I, I, a week doesn't go by that I don't get at least a handful of emails from companies saying, hey, we'd like to work with you, collaborate, something, something that leads down the path to oftentimes being an affiliate relationship. And I'm not a big publication at all. And so my, my point being, affiliates are, are definitely in demand, and we have no shortage of brand partners that we can work with. And so you really need to take care of your affiliates and make sure that you're offering an affiliate program that's both attractive to them for your store, but also attractive to the affiliates in terms of the competition on the market. If you've got four other brands selling similar products in your space, and they're offering um, 15%, let's say, with 20% with exclusive promotions just for affiliates, and you're at 8%, and you're offering um, your affiliates a 10% coupon, and, 20, and you're competing against them, you know, we're going to gravitate towards the brands that help us make more money. And I'll get into that a little bit later on one of the other mistakes. Okay. You want to keep on chugging through these? Yeah, let's keep going. Number three. Cool. Number three, um, speaking the wrong language at outreach. Basically, everything begins with outreach. Outreach is when you're, you're communicating to people who could be your potential affiliate, your partners, and you want to onboard them into your, your program. Uh, this could be done one-on-one -on -one through emails or social media, in person, or even on your own website, I would consider that outreach if there's an affiliates tab at the bottom, uh, affiliates link at the bottom of your, your footer, and I click mm -hmm. on that, that is basically directly speaking to someone like me who could be an affiliate. And I often see the verbiage being things like earn extra cash, you know, get, get pleasure from doing this. Like they're talking to their affiliates as if it's, if it's a hobby. And in reality, the, the creator industry at this point is is huge there are more professional creators in 2022 than there ever has been in history it's a legitimate business right now and so you should talk to these affiliates as if they're your business partners using language that demonstrates your ability to help them make as much money as possible demonstrating that you understand this is a business for you we want to 
we want to be proper partners for you to help up. I've seen a lot. Bring you in income. I've seen a lot of websites. They just, you know, they'll use some sort of network, affiliate network, you know, software that comes with like a template that they just plug into their website. Like that affiliate link just goes on their footer and takes them to this like landing page to sign into that network. And so all of it's, it doesn't speak as professional. It's really just kind of lame. 5% if you do this or 10% if you do this. Um, so when you're using one of those kind of software and people are going through your website, how can you make it seem a little bit more professional than just like, we're trying to onboard you to this random affiliate network? You know, what you bring up is a, is a good point. And I want to clarify between, I'll say two segments of, of affiliate programs. On the bigger side, you've got your household name brands, your Amazons, your your Gaps, your Eddie Bowers and things like that. And so oftentimes they offer less of a commission, a smaller commission, and they don't have to do as much personalized one-on-one -on -one outreach with their affiliates because frankly, they've got name brands that that sell themselves. Mm -hmm. So what I'm a lot of the tips that I'm giving and, and today I talk about the mistakes, it's the mistakes of of smaller or mid-sized companies that are just launching their affiliate programs. Gap can offer three percent because two reasons. One, they're they're the gap and their products are gonna sell with or without the affiliate. And and two, um, they know that they can close the sale. They have metrics that show their their conversion rate. So Pretty much, especially I'll say with Amazon, the biggest, I mean, I, at one point I was split testing traffic. I had a product that I was an affiliate for. I made 15% on directly sending traffic to that brand website. They also sold their products on Amazon, where I believe at the time I only made 4% on the affiliate traffic. I ended up making more money sending the traffic to Amazon for two reasons. One is that Amazon could just close the sale better than her small brand website could do. And the mm -hmm. second being that even if a, a referred customer did not buy that product, they ended up buying a competing product that they discovered from the you might like or in comparison section, or they just bought a television that had nothing to do with the reason I sent them over. I'm still earning the commission. And right. so through the increase in conversions, the ability to earn on everything and not just the small subset of products that they carried on the, on the consumer, on, on her brand site, um, it was just more profitable to send the traffic to Amazon. And that's another reason why they can get away with uh, offering a smaller commission. But that, is, that makes it really hard for the small brands. Um, because yeah. I've noticed like a lot of those bigger magazines, um, like Southern Living or Good Housekeeping, like you go onto one of those and they find a listicle of, you know, Mother's Day gifts. And then like all of those are linking right directed Amazon, like all of those gift ideas. As a brand before trying to get on some of those websites, like it was really hard to talk to those people to get them to not do an Amazon link, but give like the brand link. And sometimes it's near impossible because think about it from a management side of the coin from those big publications. Maybe they're just linking to Amazon or maybe they have a relationship with impact.com or CJ, for example. And so, although not exclusively Amazon, they're dealing with brands that are exclusively through those two networks that they deal with. We're talking about tens of thousands of, of, of brands and hundreds of thousands, millions of products for them to pull from. So if they're simply putting together a gift guide, you know, 28 best gifts for Mother's Day this year for moms who'd like to travel, for example, certainly they could, join the individual brands affiliate program, have a separate dashboard to log into, have a separate way to collect payments, separate payment coming their way for a small commission, or they can uh, compile all that into one network and just pull from, pick 28 gifts that come from cj.com, for example. So that's oftentimes why a lot of they do it, just a lot of those bigger um, publications do it that way, or the smaller ones, even my own buyer guides, I can't say that I don't gravitate towards Amazon uh, not only because I make more money, but just in terms of ease of putting a, a guide together. Okay. Is there anything that small brands can do to kind of get you to go direct to their website? 
Absolutely. You know, one, they can make it worth your while in terms of offering a competitive uh, commission to get you to sign up for their, their program. Um, two, it's a matter of finding the right affiliates, no matter what, at the end of the day, sometimes a large publication like New York Times might just not be the right affiliate partner for you at this stage of, of business. Right. And that's something you just have to take into consideration and realize and go after, uh, I don't want to say, you know, publishers on your level, but publishers that you can directly communicate with and form a relationship with. Or, or three, you can simply um, join some of those, those networks. Um, that's a kind of a deep conversation, but there's pros and cons of running your own affiliate program that you manage in-house versus partnering with Impact, CJ, Share, Sale, and using one of those networks. And one of those, um, one of the pros for the network is what we're talking about right now. Um, mm -hmm. Just the fact that so many other publishers won't move off network when it comes to finding um, finding brands to work with. Okay. Well, in a later episode, we're going to get into that <laughs> so we can go deeper <laughs> on that. But we'll we'll go into number four. And uh, so we can keep track. Cool. Gotcha. Okay. So back, back to the concept of mistakes that brands make when running their, their affiliate program. Um, the b mistake number four I wrote down was they incorrectly assume that the handoff between the affiliate and the brand, the handoff of the customer between the affiliate and the brand is finished as soon as that visitor clicks over from the affiliates website or social media over to the brand website. They think, okay, the affiliates job is done. Now we're gonna handle it from here or not handle it. And, and if we don't do a good job, if we don't close the sale, we move on to the next traffic that comes through. So they kind of look at it as a one-off occurrence. And this is, this is a mistake. And the reason is because, especially in our space, when you're dealing with software and SaaS products and whatnot, they oftentimes have a longer educational process. Not everything is an impulse buy. And so let's say I follow the affiliate, I read their blog, I follow them on social, but I have no relationship with this brand, then it's silly for the brand to think that if I don't buy, that's the end of, of my point of contact with them. Mm -hmm. They need to work with the affiliates and, and, and train them to say, you know, on average, we found that uh, customers visit our website two or three times, multiple touch points before they become a buyer. We found that they oftentimes sign up for our demo or they sign up for our email list and then, then they come in and become a customer later on. And so if you set that expectation with, with the affiliate at the beginning and kind of train them into how to properly market your products and services to the point that just one offering of that product and that's it is most likely not going to sell that product, then they're going to be in a much better position. Everyone's going to be in a better position. The affiliate's going to make more money. The brand is going to make more money or the product. And so a quick example, just you and I, like we have our, our newsletters and whatnot, you know, not every single person opens every single newsletter. Mm -hmm. And so if I just put a sponsor one time in one edition, and that was what I offered that that sponsor, I mean, the odds of converting is not going to be very, very big. And right. so that's why actually at the beginning, when I was looking for, for sponsors, I had a lot of offers of people saying, yeah, I want to sponsor one edition. I want to sponsor one month even. And I said, no, I'm, I'm looking for one sponsor to be the sponsor for the entire newsletter. I want that same name every single week recurring. And obviously you won't get every affiliate to do that. But my, my point being that repetition, if repetition is part of your other marketing and sales cycles, then why wouldn't it be part of your affiliate sales cycles as well? And so it's, it's smart to train your affiliates and say, look, it might take multiple touch points. Here are some ways that you can laser in on, on the uh, readers or, or uh, followers of you that might be interested in this and bring them into your own funnel before handing them off to us or mm -hmm. in combination with handing them off to us. Does that make sense? I went on a tangent a bit, but does that make sense? It does. I guess it's that thinking of this is a source of traffic rather than what you said at the beginning. This is like more of a business partnership. It's more of a relationship between the affiliate and the brand, not just a source of traffic. You said it so much better than me and so much more concisely. But yes, that's <laughs> so it's, it's, <laughs> it's because um, I have, I've tried to 
I have done well in one affiliate program I set up. That was actually using one of those large networks, and I've actually done pretty bad um, in some other ones at the beginning of my career when I was trying to do this with one of those like little softwares. And um, I think when it was working with some of the large publications, it was getting a lot of traffic. And so it kind of put my mind in the mindset of this is a traffic source rather than a affiliate partnership. Because, you know, when it was a major magazine that was sending you all this traffic, they're running on numbers and it's not like I had a rep at that company. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you try to go more in-house and more smaller for maybe a, a newer brand that's just getting started with it, that's not ready to upgrade to those larger service packages with CJ and Impact, um, things kind of fall apart because you still have the mindset of this is a traffic source, not some sort of other relationship. And can I give just two quick examples of, of what we're talking about here? Sure. One one being, okay, so let's say I have um, eight best of this type of product. That's what my landing page has. So I'm, dr- I'm bringing in traffic from that. I could just, whether it's eight or just best, you know what I mean? My favorite tool for X, Y, Z. Um, I could just from that page directly send people to the website. And sometimes I, I do of, of the brand or the product. If that page is enough of an introduction to that product and it's just pass them off. Or on the other side of the coin, let's say I'm profiling eight products on this landing page. The purpose of this page is to give you an overview of the different options available on the market, not to close the deal for any one of them. So mm-hmm. it'd be short-sighted for me to, on number two, send you to that person's website. It'd be better if I had eight individual reviews or landing pages or comprehensive breakdowns of those products. And I send you from you know this best eight landing page to my blog post specifically about that company. And then I hand you off because at that point, I've helped close the sale. I've narrowed down which of these eight products best fit you. I, I've further you know exemplified that, demonstrated that by giving you a, a deeper breakdown. So now at this point, I've done my job as an affiliate and you're ready to buy. So I can hand you off to the brand website and they can close the sale from there. But you can see how that's a lot more impactful as an affiliate than if I just had eight best products sent you to each. Now I had eight tabs open as a customer and it's choice overload. And I'm like, well, what do I, I do from here? Um, one other example, which is kind of a deep example. It's a big example. And you know, not every, I'm very big into software. And so sometimes the, you know, sales cycle for software is a lot deeper than just a impulse product or or a shirt or something like that. Um, So maybe instead of just sending you to that person's website, I'll actually offer you something, learn how I use this tool. So you sign up to my email list. I send you the welcome email that gives you the first uh, example of how I use the tool. And now you get three to five follow-ups that show you other examples of how I use the tool. So my point being that I didn't just hand off the uh, uh, customer to the brand. I brought them into my own funnel and took them down a path of sales before, or not before, because at the whole time I'm talking about the product and linking to it, but I'm, I'm also continuing the process because I know that it's not just a, you're going to buy this after hearing about it one time type of product. And that's, that's where I see a lot of companies, especially companies that, that will admittedly, admittedly say our product has a longer education process before people buy, yet they don't necessarily translate that knowledge into working with their affiliates. They just say, well, send, send us our affiliates and we'll handle it from there. But the people, the readers don't have the relationship with the brand. They have the relationship with the affiliates. So why not extend the education cycle through your affiliates instead of just limiting yourself to extending the education cycle through your own, your own brand website. Very good. And that just quickly leads to number five. I'm going to gloss over this one really quick because we've covered it. Number five was not the mistake being not training your affiliates on the best way to sell your products. And so we talked about a couple examples. We don't really need to go much, much deeper than that. But basically, I'll use a, I've been talking about software a lot and longer educational process. Let, let's talk about the opposite side of the spectrum, which is quick impulse buys, right? Mm-hmm. 
we know as as publishers and content creators that only a small portion of our audience sees every post that we make. And so we know that what on, on Facebook, it's in the single digits at this point, unless you, you sponsor. So we know that only a small subset of our audience is going to see it. And then an even smaller subset of our is going to be at a point in that moment when they see it, where they're feeling like shopping or, or I'm not catching them at the right time. And so my point being that, you know, if an affiliate links to your brand and product one time, and then doesn't sell anything that one time. They're, oh, we're going to test the waters with this brand. You're not going to have an affiliate. They're just going to hop over to the next product. And a lot of times it's at the, you know, I'll say the ignorance of the affiliates. They're, they're new. They don't have the experience. So if your brand says, let me show you examples of our top performing affiliates. Typically, they find that the best way to sell our products is to commit to four Instagram posts, uh, three stories, a link in the bio. And my point is you show me a, an example of how this is what's working for other people. We found that repetition really helps with our type of marketing. So when your audience, um, by promoting it eight times, it increases the odds of them even seeing the product. But then for ones that see it multiple times or really loyal subscribers, um, it strengthens the relationship between our two companies. And so they're going to be more likely to buy. So you, you really should train them on how to best sell your products and not just expect them to figure be it experts. Yeah. yeah. But on the, on that note, on the opposite side of the coin, oftentimes your affiliates can sell your products better than you. <laughs> and go. so you have to learn from that as well. If you have a monster affiliate coming in and just crushing it for you, like see what they're doing right. And maybe you need to adjust your, your, your marketing or sales cycle. And I, I don't mean to, to brag, but I am going to brag for one second and say, I've been that affiliate for companies before. Like I've been that monster affiliate and they actually reached out to me and they say, hey, we, we wanted to know if we could include what you're doing in our email to go out to our new affiliates so we can kind of show them an example of what you're doing. And I was like, no, hell no. I don't, I don't want them copying me. The good ones are going to eventually <laughs> copy me anyway, but I don't want to sit here and train them how to do it. I want to, if you, if you guys want to like give me a piece of, of the affiliate action underneath me, that's a different story. I'll train everyone for 5% of their sales on how to do it. But I was like, but anyway, whether I gave him permission or not, they, they certainly could have, they respected that I said no. But my point being, you'll find those great affiliates that do a better job than you and you can learn from them as well. That's cool. So this jumps us into number six, okay. which um, we've covered a little bit, but number six is not setting realist, realistic expectations for your affiliates. Mm -hmm. um, I, I gave one example earlier of that, which is training your affiliates. And so if you had just, if you didn't train them and you just said, Hey, can you make one post for us? And the affiliate doesn't sell anything from that post. They're not going to be an affiliate for very long. So mm -hmm. it's more difficult for you, the brand to come back and say, well, we actually get the most success from people if they do this, 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 and this. They should have set that expectation from the very beginning about what works. They've immediately kind of eroded the trust between the affiliate by now trying to slip things into the process versus being upfront about how you'll get success if you, if you do this process. Mm -hmm. And then the other expectation I see is too high of an expectation in regards to um, hitting tiers or getting paid. So for example, they'll say, sell more than five of our products in a month and you earn this much, sell 10 and you earn this much. So it's like a rising, rising tier. But the problem with that is that it doesn't really encourage me to get started with you. And I'll give you a quick example with, with hosting, like hosting services. So on one hand, you've got WP Engine, which I think it's been a minute since I've looked, but maybe they offer like $150 for every new uh, customer that they send away. Then you've got Cloudways. They're both great hosts. Don't get me wrong, but, but Cloudways is the tiered system. Mm -hmm. And so Cloudways says, you know, your first five, we, we give you $50. Then we give you 75. So it's like, who am I going to want to promote as an affiliate? The one that pays me more or the one that only pays me more if I sell more? Because- right perhaps my business is a little bit seasonal in nature, or perhaps 
the way I market hosts isn't an ongoing steady thing. So on every month, I'll sell three to four hosting packages. But then a few times a year when I do my email campaigns, I'll sell 30 to 40 hosting packages. It's like, well, I'm a good affiliate. Like, So that's just a quick example. But the idea being, make sure that I know you want your affiliates to all be monster power affiliates, but you've got to make sure that you're setting up your new affiliates for success immediately. Because mm-hmm. if they don't get immediate success, they're never going to make it to the monster affiliate category. Very cool. It's a, it's a balance. On, on, on the other side of the coin, I often do recommend that companies start a little bit lower than they think. They want to come out the gate swinging. They go, all of our competitors offer 10%. We want to offer 15 And I say, okay, and I respect that. Do you necessarily have to? Because maybe you want to leave a little bit of your margin on the table for doing bonuses um, for, uh, let's say you want to liquidate a product. You can come back later and say, now we're offering 20% in between now and the end of the year on these SKUs right here or this category. Um, so it's I respect them wanting to come out swinging, but at the same time, you, you really want to make sure that um, uh, you have some room to do promotions for your affiliates too. Mm-hmm. So this this leads into number seven, um, which is now. So th- this is I, I put this as number seven, but this is one of the newer ones to the list. My friend Kimberly had commented on the LinkedIn post yesterday, saying, "I hope you're going to cover you know contracts and and brand guidelines." And I, I had not. So this is a new one that I added, but it's it's super important for brands. Um, and what she was talking about basically is the brands launch the affiliate program, but don't take all the hypotheticals into consideration. Mm-hmm. And it's usually not their fault because they haven't either run one before. Maybe they've never even been a part of an affiliate program for someone else before. And this is actually why people work with me and work with other affiliate developers is because we can kind of take them through a checklist of, of what to do. And so what we talked about by contract and brand guidelines is the commission structure, the commission payout date. Like for example, if I pay my affiliates at the end of every month, but I offer a 60 day return period, it puts me in a precarious position where I've, I've now am accepting returns on products that I've already paid commission out on. Mm-hmm. So it's important to think about all those things. Um, obviously you, you can't go too crazy. It's the only way I have to wait six months to get paid. So there's always, always a balance, but it's important to consider these things and put it into your contract that here's when you get paid. We leave time for our um, return period. We um, uh, we pay this way. There's a we only pay via PayPal. There's a, there's a fee that comes out of it. Blah blah. Just setting all the expectations in terms of um, when and how you get paid. Yeah, that seems that, like for especially for new affiliates, that would be really important. Don't understand that. Like, what is it called? Like net thirty, net sixty. Um, that's like, okay, you're going to have to actually wait. There's there's minimum payouts. Sometimes they want you to wait till you have your first $1,000 in commission or $100 in commission. There's just all these these details. And then there's also details like, you know, you were talking about net payments, but there's also cookie periods. So we track cookies for uh, 30 days. We track cookies for, for 90 days, for example. It's just important to have the answers to those things so you can communicate them early on, or at least have them in your contract. So if an affiliate says, Hey, I, I sent someone, uh, and, and they bought something, but you know, I never got my commission. You can start to dig in and see, well, why didn't, Oh, well, you, you, they, they clicked on our link 120 days ago. The cookies only last 30 days. For example, um, I had, I had one customer client years ago. They thought they were offering a lifetime commission on their customers. So what they thought they were doing is customers were, were let's say I, I referred you to the brand, mm-hmm. you became a customer, and now me, the affiliate, were getting lifetime commissions on anything you bought in the future for years and years to come. But they were mistaken. What they were actually offering was lifetime cookies. So like no expiration cookies. Oh. So what was happening is later on, Maybe I clicked through another affiliate. That affiliate would start getting credit for the sale. Or later on, I didn't click on another affiliate, but like normal people do, we clear our cookies and cash from time to time. So mm-hmm. that cleared the affiliate relationship. 
So the cookie was set to never expire until someone cleared it or replaced it with another one, but the actual customer was not. What they were trying to do was called assigning the affiliate to the customer. That's happening on the software side. So as soon as I make a purchase, my account, my email address, my phone number is linked to the affiliate. So it doesn't matter if I ever click on another affiliate link or if I ever um, uh, click on or clear my, my, my cookies what ha- or if I buy from a, a phone instead of my desktop. What happens on the customer's end has no impact. All that matters is the relationship was assigned from the first sale and that affiliate's getting paid for life. And so, yeah. These kinds of details are important to dis- distinguish at the beginning because they're going to affect your, your contract. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's a lot of details that goes into this. <laughs> I know there's plenty of people listening going, man, this is a complicated part of marketing. But to be fair, there's there's um, standards. You know, like people ask, well, what's fair? I was like, ah, in your industry, it's standard. You don't have to follow the standards. It's like the real estate industry. They say, so what's the standard commission rate? 6%. They go, oh, well, legally, there's no standard commission rate. There is none. Same with affiliate marketing. You can do whatever you want to do and have your own rules, but it's important to know what the options are so you can communicate them in, in your contract. Right. Uh, on, on that note of contracts and brand guidelines, then comes you know, brand guidelines for how I want my affiliates to promote my products. And this is really important because if you don't properly communicate both your expectations and your restrictions and guidelines from day one, you are just opening a a can of worms. Mm -hmm. If you just start letting anyone join your affiliate program, which I I advise against, I prefer the application-driven affiliate programs. The person applies, I see who they are, I see what their online presence and their websites and social media, I make sure that they're a good fit to join the affiliate program. That's always my preference, not just let anyone become an affiliate. Um, But once they do become an affiliate, are they allowed to post on Reddit or other forums? Are they allowed to post on social media? Can they use Google ads and use my trademark name to bid against me if we're also running ads? Are they effectively running ads using our trademark name, pumping up the cost of the ads, potentially yes, their yeah. website appearing below mine? Um, do they properly disclose that they earn money from this, which is FTC requirements, not just affiliate requirements? Uh, are they allowed to use our images, our logos, in what capacity? If at some point we sever the relationship with the affiliate, am I allowed, you know, how much time do they have to go back? Are they allowed to disparage the company? You know, there, there's just all these things to consider um, about the, because once you pop the top, it's open and and you really want to make sure that you set these rules as best you can. There'll always be an evolving set of rules, obviously, as you learn new things and as your business changes, but there are certain things from the beginning that are important to say, yeah, you, you can't compete against us on Google, for example. That's an obvious one. Right. So leading to number eight, this gets into, um, uh, we, we've talked about commissions we've talked about contracts and 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 terms and whatnot no the the mistake i see people make is not accounting for the rest of their marketing and promotions when it comes to building their affiliate program and i'll give you the the perfect storm if your affiliate commission structure and promotion structure is going to work then you have to take into consideration what i call the perfect storm it's it's holiday season it's now you site-wide marked all your products on sale 20 percent off no discount code straight up sale um, you offer free shipping on orders over 99 dollars. your affiliates you've offered them a 15 percent discount code and you also pay your affiliates between 10 and 15 percent depending on their volume of sales so you've got to look at this uh you know, perfect storm of discounts, sales, discount codes, commissions, free shipping, and say, can I still afford to be in business? You know, (laughs) and, you know, frankly, sometimes the answer is you'll lose money during that perfect storm. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just something to take into consideration. If you've got a really high lifetime value of your, of your customers, Maybe you can afford during that perfect storm to lose five or 10 or even $20 
in that rare circumstance, because now you've got that customer in your ecosystem and then you can do your own marketing and they're going to be worth a lot more than negative 20 in the future. But you know, you've got to be pretty big and know your numbers pretty well to realize that. So for the (laughs) most part, I tell people just to take out your spreadsheet, do your math and realize that, um, uh, this has got to work. I was also talking about competing against your affiliates early on. And so my, my point being is just your affiliate program should not run in isolation of every other marketing that you do. Your affiliate program should run in, you know, in conjunction with it. And so it's you've got to, when you're structuring it, think about what are the regular sales we do each year? What are our discounting? For example, Some companies don't discount. So why would our affiliate program discount? So if we don't discount, what do we offer them? And so it's just kind of looking at it from a top-down view of, of how does this work with the rest of our marketing, which seems obvious, but people just don't do it sometimes. Yeah, it's kind of slips by. Um, so what do you think? Number nine, and then I'll, I'll let you go. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Okay. Um, so I just said that oftentimes brands will accidentally you know, isolate their affiliate program from the rest of their, of their marketing, which is which is not right. Not only in terms of discounting and promotion, but in terms of uh, just leveraging their creators in their affiliate program to the rest of their their marketing. So the mistake that I see people making is not promoting their own affiliates. Mm -hmm. If they've got good affiliates, like I said, sometimes they'll get affiliates who can sell their product better than them. Sometimes they'll get affiliates that are incredible photographers, video makers, content creators. And so use this, like leverage all this amazing stuff and promote your affiliates. But the reason they don't do it is because, well, why would I share this person's post that if on our brand website, because if I share that, people are going to click through and then we'll have to pay them commission. But we were sending them through our Facebook, for example. But that's just the wrong way to look at it. Why wouldn't you want to do that? You're making your affiliate more money. You're supporting them. If they really are a good affiliate and aligned with your brand, then your followers should overlap. Mm-hmm. If they don't overlap, you've probably got the wrong kind of affiliate anyway. And so I think, like I said, the mistake they make is just looking at the affiliates. It leads back to number one, which is how do I make as much as money as possible for my brand is the wrong mindset. The right mindset is how do I make my affiliates as much money as possible? What can I do to support them and promote them and build their brands? alongside mine those are the long-term partnerships that are going to make this the most successful affiliate program that we you know on the planet in the industry amongst our competitors the ones that don't their affiliates are going to jump ship as soon as a better offer comes around yep i have seen it happen before get a lot of people signing up and then and then it just doesn't go anywhere that was um quite a comprehensive overview <laughs> Once I get started, I go on, I go off, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of information, but it's definitely not rocket science. It just takes being organized and, you know, going about it in in the proper way when you're structuring your affiliate program, or even if you already have your affiliate program, it's not like it's too late, you know, everything's a work in progress, including existing affiliate programs. So if, if you're a brand that's listening to this and you've got an affiliate program and it's not working as well as you'd like it to maybe think about some of the things we talked about today and say, are these possibly some of the reasons why? How can we change it? No one's ever going to come back. None of your affiliates are going to be upset if you ever come to them and say, we want to offer you more money. <laughs> we want to make this program better right. for you. We want to make you more successful. So if now is the time to do that, while every other industry, while every other competitor is jumping onto the, cre- they call it the creator bandwagon now. But really the industry has been around forever. Affiliates, creators, however you want to pitch it, it's, People with audiences pitching brands. Everyone more than ever is getting into it now. They realize the the power of this medium, mm-hmm. and um, you know, Walmart actually just just relaunched. They they called it the Walmart Creators Program, but it's through Impact. And it's like in reality, Walmart's had an affiliate program for for years. I can't. I don't know when they started, but they've had it for a long time. But it was just pitched as like this afterthought of like, yes, we have an affiliate program because Amazon has one. So we have one too. So you're in commission, but now they're like, oh, wow. Creators could really help us. So they're just redesigning, repositioning their affiliate program as now a creator program, but it's logistically the exact same thing. The difference is now they're realizing the potential 
and creating the resources and putting the time and energy into supporting their creators, their affiliates in a way that they never had before. And I think more than ever, the time is right, right now, like this moment next year for brands who have not had one or have had one, but it's been a, an afterthought. Now's the time to not make it an afterthought, but to make it a, a primary thought in your, in your business. That's really good. I have always been interested in affiliates um, since I first since I first heard that I think it was years ago, maybe two or three years ago, that Amazon was making about 40% of its sales through affiliates. Oh, really? I didn't know it was that much. It was, I want to say this was like 2018 or 19, um, but it was like, oh God. And then I started looking into like the magazines and how a lot of their what they would call instead of their like advertising department, they also had a commerce department. So that was dealing with affiliates. And like we mentioned, all of those um, Amazon links in the bigger magazines. So I just thought it was fascinating because it's no longer just because I think a lot of times when we say affiliates, we think of individuals, but the affiliates have also crossed over into media as part of their um, business structure. Um, yeah, good point. It, it's my preferred. Uh, obviously, I'm biased. I, I love affiliate marketing, but it's it's my preferred monetization method for my own publications. The mm -hmm. alternative, I think, the lowest hanging fruit is doing like the display ads, which uh, the media. <laughs> yeah, I, I I block them personally. You know, I, I have an ad blocker. A lot of people have ad blockers. But I just find them to be a disservice to the people who read my website. I have a I have a golden rule with marketing, which is don't do something if you hate it. Even if you make it money, if you don't like it as a consumer, there's no excuse for doing it as a as a brand or a publisher. That's just my my golden rule. And so I don't I don't have the display ads because I, I hate them. So that leaves me with um, I also like being in control over which other brands I, I promote on my website, whereas you don't have much control over the display ads or whatever, whoever is the highest bidder shows up on your site. Um, but with affiliate marketing, I get to pick the products and, and pick my partners. Very cool. Um, how do people find out about your newsletter and how do they get a hold of you if they have questions about this? Yeah, so it's shopafreaks.com. S-H-O-P-I-F-R-E-A-K-S, shopafreaks.com. And my email address is paul at shopafreaks.com. Awesome. Thank you for coming on. This was this was really good. It gives us a lot to think about. Yeah, my pleasure. If you ever have uh, any interest in, in having more conversations about affiliate programs, affiliate marketing, I'm, I'm your man. I love talking about this stuff. I genuinely enjoy it. So here for you anytime. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. All right. Bye-bye. All righty. That was really in-depth. Um, thanks again to Paul for getting into it for us. There's a lot more content on Substack, so head over to heroesofecommerce.substack.com and subscribe to follow along as we rethink the customer. See you next time.